Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining Jewish Stories and More. Today is going to be a classic story, an adventure story, you know, like something happened to somebody, it's a little bit dangerous, and then in the end, it's a beautiful ending. We call that a classic story. Once upon a time, there was a young lady who was in her second year at college. And she went to a college in Binghamton, New York. Now, you might have heard of Binghamton because there's a very successful Chabad house there. Many, many college students become close to Yiddishkeit through that Chabad house. But it doesn't say that in the story. I heard this story on Chabad.org. Chabad.org. Radio, Chabad.org radio, which is 24-6. Listen to it 24 hours a day, six days a week, not on Shabbos, of course. Um, And they have stories and they have classes and poems and all kinds of things. This is where I heard the story. So there was this young lady, her name was Jen. And she was in her second year at Binghamton. And it was time to go back for the second semester, wintertime. And it sounds like she hadn't been there in a while because the plan was to go there um, on Saturday. They weren't really from at that point. And it was a long drive, many hours drive. And Jen had just bought uh, during the summer or near the end of the summer a Jeep. A uh, car called the Jeep. And she bought it with money that she earned from her summer job. It was an old car that was second hand, or maybe third hand or fourth hand. Uh, but it got around, and that's the car they were going to use so she could have a car on campus, be able to go places and do things. And her father, whose name I don't know, but we'll call him uh, Joey, Joey was going to go with her and share the driving, and then um, helpers set up her room in the dorm or apartment, wherever it was, and uh, this way she could be all ready for classes. They get there um, Saturday night, and uh, Sunday they would spend all day moving everything in and getting her room arranged and so forth, and other preparations she had to make, and then Monday starts class and she'd be all ready. That was the plan. Now, Joy was thinking, maybe I should go to shul. Shabbos morning, you know, apparently he was a person that went to shul quite often. Um, but he wasn't really from, so he thought to himself, well, it'd be nice to go to shul, but if I go to shul, then we'll get a late start. And by the time I finish driving her home, driving her back to college, and me getting on the bus to come back home to wherever they lived, it's going to be very, very late, and I'll basically ruin my day tomorrow. I don't want to do that. Or the next day. I guess he would stay there over Sunday, so then the beginning of his work week would be basically ruined from coming home so late. Something like that. (laughs) So anyway... That was the plan. He thought, no big deal. You know, I mean, I'm not keeping Shabbos every week. Uh, in fact, I'm not keeping Shabbos at all. Just I go to shul sometimes or maybe a lot of times. 
but I don't have to really keep Shabbos. I'm not really up to that yet. So let's go early Saturday morning. So that's what they did. They got in the car. They left early Saturday morning with their plan to get there, uh, you know, pretty pretty early, uh, halfway through the day or so, so that he could take a bus back and not be so late. Something like that. I guess he was coming back the first night, yeah, right after that. And then she would set up her apartment herself, maybe. I don't know. In any case, the main thing is that as they were driving down that highway several hours later, and they were getting to the New York uh, State area, but not the city area. It was like maybe they were coming from the west, from Chicago or something like that. And it was like a very rural area they were going through. And uh, the car started having a lot of trouble. And it started breaking down. So they had to get off the highway onto an exit. And uh, they didn't even know if there was a gas station anywhere or not. This was many years ago, before cell phones, before internet. And uh, they didn't have even a phone with them. And there was no such thing anyhow in those days, the mobile phones. And they were on this road, and uh, they broke down. The car actually broke down. And they were in a a rural place. There was hardly any people around, hardly any cars around. And they didn't really know where they were, actually. And... uh, they're stuck, and the car is not working. It was cold, middle of the winter. And not only that, but the car did not even have a real roof. It had a canvas roof. Like I said before, it was a Jeep. It had a canvas roof. And uh, they started getting pretty cold, like very cold. And Jen started saying, oh, it's okay. You know, I trust, I trust in Hashem. Everything will be okay. Don't worry. And they were trying to keep each other's each other's spirits up. Uh, of course, the father is the father, so he felt I have to really keep my daughter's spirits up. But the truth is, she was keeping her spirits up pretty good too. But sometimes not so good, and so uh, it was getting kind of uh, desperate. And uh, you know, it's cold and nothing to do, nowhere to go. They were stuck, stuck, stuck. So they decided what they would do is they would watch very carefully, see if a car would come by. And as soon as the car came by, they would they would signal to the car, flagging it down, and get the car to stop. And hopefully it would be a good person that would help them. Hopefully. It wouldn't be a bad person. God forbid. And after a while, sounds like a good hour or so maybe, and they were cold and everything, They uh, along comes a car. And they flagged it down, and it was a nice old couple. And they explained the situation, and the nice old couple said, okay, don't worry, we will drive you to a diner, which means like a little restaurant, obviously a trade restaurant, a restaurant, uh, in this little town that we're going to. And uh, over there, you could at least get something hot to drink or eat. I, I kind of think they didn't eat not kosher food at that point. And uh, you can call a mechanic. Maybe somebody can come out and fix your car. 
Meanwhile, be warm. Nice offer, Baruch Hashem. So the couple gave them a ride a few miles away. There was a little restaurant out in this little village. And they went in, Baruch Hashem. It was nice and warm in there. There's a bunch of people from the town. And they were having their breakfast or whatever. And it was friendly. Everybody was uh, nice. And so Jen saw there was a payphone, which means a kind of phone they used to have. You put in some coins, and then you can use it to call. Because like I said before, people didn't have cell phones in those days. There was no such thing. And so she started calling some friends at the college where they were going, which was uh, several hours away. And... Um, you know, trying to make some arrangement. Maybe somebody could come pick them up. Meanwhile, there was actually a fellow who came over and introduced himself and said, um, uh, sounds like you folks are Jewish, right? And they thought, what? In this town in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. He said, I'm Jewish. I'm the only Jew in town. And I heard you're talking. I could tell, you know, from the things you're talking about that you're probably Jewish. So I came over to see if I could help you. Baruch Hashem, so nice of you. That's so nice. And so he said, actually, I'm a cab driver. That's what I do for a living. And I'm happy to take you all the way to Binghamton. I'll give you a good price because I see you're in trouble. And uh, this way you'll be able to, you know, to get there and start to whatever you have to do, your college or whatever. And then later, you know, um, uh, I'll help you take care of the car. Okay, so, Baruch Hashem. It worked out without knowing all the details, but it did work out. And so Joey, who's telling the story, he says, well, we realized that even though we drove on Shabbos and everything, but... Hashem was really watching out for us. It's true that it was a rough situation, that the car broke down, and it was in the middle of nowhere, and it was scary, and it was cold. It's true, it was, it was a tough situation for a while, but um, we held on, and Hashem was very nice to us. He sent that little old nice couple, instead of some not nice person, to bring us to the diner. And then in the diner, there was a Jew who wanted to help us out. And everything worked out. And we realized that Hashem is really taking care of us. And then Joey concludes his story and he says, and that was the last time that I drove on Shabbos. After that, we made a chlata. We decided we're going to keep Shabbos from now on. So this is what's called a classic Jewish story. There's a little adventure, there's a little danger, and at the end it's very beautiful because the person decides to do more mitzvahs, and of course everything sounds wonderful. Now there's another kind of story I like to tell. I'm not sure if people listening to this um, podcast like this kind of story or not, but you know I sometimes tell a story which is really like a, a very short story. 
Like the other day, I told the story about the guy who leaped up on the bima to open the Arnakodesh. And that story was really a four-second story, maybe even a two-second story. Because the whole story was just about how he le- leapt up on the bima, how he jumped up on the bima to do the mitzvah. And I made a whole speech about it. Now, could be you don't like that kind of story. I don't know. But I like that kind of story. Sometimes I just get very inspired by the little things. I want to tell somebody about it. So I try to make it into a story. So we obviously have both types. So raise your hand, please, if you like the long classic story. Let me see. Moshe, do you like it? Tabara, how about you, Liba? Um, Label? Label? Uh, Yosef? Um, Miriam, do you like that kind of story? Vega? Okay, just wondering. And now raise your hand if you like the short kind of story. There are stories that just are a few seconds or, you know, uh, a few a minute, and then the rest of it's just the more part, right? Jewish st- stories and more, more of the more. Yeah, raise your hand, please. If I could just see Dove, okay, that's you. Uh, Kiva, how about you? Yeah, okay. Um, let's see, Chana. Okay, yeah, I see you raising your hand. Hi, Rachel. Okay, Devarleya, Esther, Mushki. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, Shaya, yeah, I see. Okay, Mendy, Mati, I see you raising your hand, Chaim. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so anyway, it looks to me like I should tell both kinds of stories. On some days, I should tell the long classic stories with the adventure, and sometimes I should just tell the little stories with the more. <laughs> Something besides just the story. In any case, I will also tell a little bit of another story right now. And that is a story that the Gemara tells about a thief that was tunneling in under the wall to steal something from a house. He's tunneling, tunneling, tunneling. He, brings, he digs a big tunnel so that he could crawl underneath there. We have tunnels in the news these days. We know that Hamas makes all these tunnels. May they be cursed. And... Um, so tunnels are not new. They're right in the Gemara. And he was tunneling underneath there to do a, uh, a crime, to do something terrible, to steal. And as he's tunneling underneath, he says, Hashem, please help me succeed in stealing. Can you imagine that? A thief, as he's tunneling under to steal... He cries out to Hashem and he says, please help me to steal. What's wrong with that? Something very wrong with it. I think Hamas also asks Hashem to help them to kill Jews. Uh, something very wrong with it. What's wrong with it? So on the one hand, that thief for the Gemara story does believe in Hashem. He does. He says, Hashem, please help me. He believes in Hashem and believes that Hashem can help. Uh, but it did not actually penetrate his life so that he acts the way Hashem wants him to act. And of course, the same thing with Hamas and all these evil people, that they are fooling themselves or are being fooled into thinking that Hashem wants Chas v'shalom, the Jews should be killed. Chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom. So therefore, it, it's nice that they believe in Hashem, but what has to happen is that the person should realize what Hashem actually wants from us, which is to be good and kind. Finally, a little bit about Mashiach. 
and that is that Mashiach will be very, very humble. Even though Mashiach will be very great, and he'll actually be learning Torah together with the Abbas and the, and the Mahais and with the Moshe Rabbeinu. Maybe Mrs. Mashiach will learn with the Mahais, actually. Uh, Mashiach maybe also will learn with them. Yeah, why not? So he will be very, very humble. And he'll also learn Torah with very simple people that do very, know very little. And that's why Mashiach is also called David HaMelech. Sometimes Mashiach is referred to as David HaMelech. Because, like it says in the Torah, in Yechezkel, it says that my servant David will be king over them. David Avdi. That's my servant David will be king over the Jewish people. Why is Mashiach called David? Because David was very, very humble. Even though he was a king, he referred to himself as being poor and needy in Tehillim. So we see that Mashiach, as great as he is, also must be very humble. And us too, even though we may accomplish a lot and become very outstanding in our learning and so forth, but we should always make sure to remain very, very humble. After all, in front of Hashem, we all should for sure be humble, even in front of other people. If Moshe was humble before every single person, so too should we be. And this will help us to bring Geula very, very quickly and to win the war. May it happen immediately and completely, just like the story of Purim, to wipe out all of our enemies, the Hamans of the world, and to bring Mashiach, to bring Geula. May it happen right now. Thank you so much for joining Jewish Stories and more.